All right. We're jumping now into the sermon, part one, new series called Rebrand You. I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you from Genesis chapter 17. I'm reading from the New King James Version. We're going to read Genesis chapter 17. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. This is what it says. Oh, you want to hit the record button on that camera. <laughs> Thank you. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. This is what it says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Everybody say, no longer. No longer. Shall your name be called Abram. Shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Father, give us wisdom and revelation as we approach your holy word today. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we are starting today with Abraham because Abraham was the beginning of it all. Yeah. I taught a course several years ago called The Story of the Bible. I believe it's very powerful to understand the Bible as a story mm. rather than as a textbook. And if you want to understand the story of the Bible, you actually have to start with Abraham because that's where the story began. It starts with Abraham. Yeah. Abraham is called of God in Genesis chapter 12, and he's 74 years old when God calls him. He's 74 years old when God says to him, get out of your father's house and go to the land that I'll show you and I will make of you a great nation and I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you and in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. He was 74 years old when he obeyed God, took all that he had, left his father and his family and went to the land of promise. And now we get to chapter 17, five chapters later, and he's 99 years old when God visits him to rebrand him. He's 99 years old when God visits him to give him a new name. He's 99 years old when God changes his name to the name that we know. Yeah. Because if you walk out on the street and you ask people about Abram, nobody knows that guy, Abram. Right. Yeah. But if you ask people, do you know who Abraham is? Of course, everybody knows Abraham. We know him as Abraham. What we don't stop to take account of was that when the story began, he was not Abraham, yeah. he was Abram. Yeah. 
When the story began, he was not the guy that we know. He was not yet the father of many nations. He was not yet the father of faith to all who believe, as the Apostle Paul would call him. He was not yet the, the great spiritual father of the entire Judeo-Christian faith. He wasn't that guy yet. You see, when God calls you, he never calls you when you're already Abraham. He always calls you when you're still Abram. He doesn't call you when you're already formed and complete. He always calls you when you're formless and void. You see, the call of God is just like the process of creation. You go back to the Genesis narrative. It doesn't start with materials that God has to work with. It says, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was nothing, and then God called light to come out of the darkness, and light came out of the darkness. He always starts with formless and void. He starts with Abram, not Abraham. He starts with Simon, not Peter. Wow. He always starts with an unformed, unprepared person. He always starts with a faithless. He always starts with an ignorant, with an unwise person. He starts with a foolish person, not a wise person. Why? Because in the wisdom of God, he is determined that instead of starting with wisdom, he starts with folly and makes you wise. Instead of starting with strength, he starts with weakness and makes you strong. Instead of starting with faith, he starts with unbelief and gives you faith. You see, God called Abraham before he had any faith. He gave him faith. He called Abraham before he was a father. He made him a father. And see, the enemy is always speaking to discredit you and disqualify you in your own eyes, always speaking to try to convince you that you're not worthy of the calling of God because you don't have the qualifications, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough righteousness, you haven't given enough, you haven't served enough, you don't have enough understanding, you don't have, no, have enough knowledge, you don't have enough wisdom. Great, of course, you're qualified because of your lack. You're qualified because you're not ready. God never calls people who are already ready. He calls people who think they're already ready, wow. and then he sends them to a barren wilderness for 40 years uh -huh. yeah. to empty, empty them of their sense of self-confidence yeah. so that when he comes back to them 40 years later in a burning bush, they say, I'm not the guy. Uh -huh. wow. yeah. The yeah. call of God requires human failure. Wow. Yes. And so God comes to Abram at 74 years old, and calls him, and at 99 years old, he rebrands him. Now, we're going to look at four biblical characters in the book of Genesis over the next four weeks and look at how God rebranded these important biblical characters. And I'm really excited about next week's sermon because we're going to talk about Abram's wife, Sarai, and how God rebranded her and what that means. But today, we're focusing on Abram. And in God's rebranding of Abram, he was making a statement because when God comes to Abram in Genesis 17 and rebrands him, what God was putting his finger on was Abram's low expectations. Abram was 99 years old and he was satisfied. He was content. He was satisfied with all that God had done for him. He felt like this is it. This is as far as it goes. This is as much as I get. And I'm happy with that, God. I'm thankful. I don't need any more. I'm 99 years old. His expectations were already set. He had no expectation of anything more. He had become very wealthy, and he was satisfied with that. I got cattle and herds. I got men servants and maid servants. 
He had become well-respected and well-known, and he was satisfied with that. When he bought the cave of Machpelah to bury his wife Sarah and the, 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 the Hittites, they were like, man, you're, you're like, we want to give you this land. Like, they were so impressed with it. They, they, they respected him so much, and he was satisfied with that. Yeah. And he even had a son already, actually. Of course, it wasn't a legitimate son. It was an illegitimate son through his wife's personal assistant, Hagar. But that was enough for him. He was happy. You're still a good God. You've blessed me. I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm thankful. You know, this word from the Lord is to people who have embraced low expectations. And you, don't, and you don't have to be 99 years old for this word to apply to you because some of you are 30 and you've already embraced low expectations. Some of you are 21 years old and you've already diminished yourselves in your own eyes and you've begun to call yourself by a name that represents low expectations. What I have is enough. What I've done is enough. It's cool. It's cool. Because who am I to, to like, expect something more from God than he's already given? Who am I to, like, I, I don't want to have an entitlement syndrome to think God owes me more. God doesn't owe me anything. Everything God has given me, it's enough. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. If God does a little bit through my life. See, some of you, you're at a place where you can believe God to, have, to do great things through somebody else, wow, yeah. but not through you. Wow. Mm. You've embraced low expectations, and you've called yourself by a name in your own mind that embodies those low expectations. Yeah, yeah. Today, God wants to rebrand you, and in order to rebrand you, he has to strip from you the name wow. that embodies those low expectations. He has to break that off of your life. And here's the key. The word brand, it actually goes back to an old Norse word, which means, uh, which means to, to, uh, to put fire to something. It, the practice actually goes back to 2000 B.C., where they would brand cattle. That's where the practice of branding cattle actually began. Wow. You would take a hot iron, and you would brand your, your livestock as a way of in, embedding upon it the mark of your ownership. Whatever you brand, you own. That is, to brand something is to take ownership of it. And the moment you brand something... You're making a statement that the destiny of this thing that I'm branding is not dependent upon itself. Wow. It no longer has the right to determine its own destiny wow. or to set its own expectations or its own agenda or its own priorities for its life. Its wow. destiny is what I determine for it. God comes to brand Abraham to put his mark of ownership upon him. And, just, and when he brands Abraham and gives him a new name, what he's saying is, you're, I've just taken over your destiny. Yeah, yeah. I've just taken over your future. Wow. And what you expect for yourself, what you're okay with, is now completely meaningless. Wow. It no, it's non-applicable. Why? I determined your destiny, not you. I'm getting ready to brand you, to put my mark of ownership upon you. And in branding you, I'm going to brand you with a new name. And the whole purpose of God giving you a new name in the Abrahamic sense is to get you to think more of who you are in God than you presently think. This is what this whole message is about.
You are more in God than you think you are. You are more in God than you think you are. And God has greater things in store for you than you think he does. Whatever, because the promise of God always exceeds even your wildest imaginations. The promise of God is always greater than that which you can procure for yourself, than that which you can even imagine for yourself. The promise of God is always, always, always greater. And this is the key. Without a promise of God, we're left to our own devices. A life that is devoid of promise is devoid of direction. Because if, you're, if your life is not guided by a promise from God, then your life is only guided by your own desires, by your own uh, uh, objectives, by your own priorities. Your life is guided by what you can think up for yourself, what you can imagine for yourself. That's what guides your life. But if you have a promise from God, you have direction from God. Yeah. And a lot of us, we're praying for direction, but we're not seeking the promise. Jackson Sinyanga, the, the pastor in, in Uganda, he talked about in the beginning of his ministry, he sought the face of God. He laid on his face for three days and said, God, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with our ministry, with my ministry? What do you want to do in me and through me? What would you have of me? And over that three-day period, God gave him a whole bunch of promises, yeah. and he wrote them down in his yeah. book. He wrote down all of the promises that God yeah. gave him, and those promises became his guide. They became yeah. his compass, not his map, his compass. Keep that in mind, because oftentimes, God never gives us a map. He gives us a, a compass. And the, the compass, see, what we want is the root. God doesn't give you the root. He gives you the direction. It's that way. He doesn't give you the root. He gives you the direction. It's that way. And the promises are the compass that give you the direction. And Jackson Sinyanga said at the end of that three-day period, he had all these promises. Do you know what he did? Every single morning for the next 10 years, he woke up and read those promises before the Lord and prayed into them. God, you promised that you would do this. God, you promised that you would do this. And he prayed into those promises. And one morning he woke up 10 years later and he went through those promises and realized that there was a check mark next to every single one of them. And he said he began to rejoice because God had fulfilled every promise that he had given him. Every promise. But then at the end of his rejoicing, he realized that he now has no direction. What will I do now that I have no promise? What will I do now without a promise? And so he laid on his face for another three days and sought God for the next set of promises. And God gave him the next set of promises. And he wrote them down in his notebook. And every morning after that, he woke up and prayed into those promises and rehearsed the promises of God. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy chapter 1.18. He says, This charge I give to you, son Timothy, according to the promises once made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. God gives you prophetic promises so that by them you may wage the good warfare. You realize that the good warfare is warring for the promises that God sets over your life. Warring for the promises of God that God sets over your life. But this is really the point of this message today. The question is, so how do I just get some promises of God for my life? You know? I mean, so what do I do? Just make up some promises? Oh, these are promises of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or just go to some people, hey, you got, you got any promises from God for me? Like, how do I get some promises? Abraham was 99 years old when wow. God came yeah. and gave him this promise. Yeah. God called him at 74, gave him this promise at 99. And there were several sub-promises that came before this promise. Yeah. I just recently listened to, actually I listened to it last year, October of 2019. There was an episode of a podcast that I listened to called um, what's it called? 
I'll think of it in a second. It's the, the podcast is uh, the, the, the former CEO of LinkedIn. What was his name? Huh. Reed Hoffman. Huh. And it's called Masters of Scale. Huh. And in, it was a live uh, episode of Masters of Scale. I think it was October, October 2019, somewhere in October. And um, it's about, so he starts with this, uh, this person named uh, Lahua Kamula. She's uh, a Polynesian navigator. And in the history of Polynesia, the Hawaiian navigators were world-renowned. They sailed all over the world in these little double-hulled canoes. And later historians have looked at these canoes and the way they are designed, and historians have said, it's impossible to sail around the world with zero modern instrumentation in those canoes. So these are all lies. So this person wanted to prove that this history was true. So they took the designs of these double-hulled canoes and they rebuilt them and they studied all of the navigational methodologies of their ancestors, yeah. and then they set out on a 2,500-mile canoe ride across the ocean, wow. sailing across the world with no instruments. Mm -hmm. And it took them 17 days, and they traveled 2,500 miles. Wow. And this young lady was actually the captain of that vessel. 17 days with zero instrumentation, zero modern technology, and a double-hulled canoe. And she said, on the seventh day, they entered into the doldrums. And the doldrums is that flat calm that you find at the equator, where the water doesn't move, the wind doesn't move, the sky doesn't move. And when you're in the doldrums, when you're in that place, there's no direction. You have no idea which way you're going. And so what you have to do when you get to the doldrums is you have to stop and wait. And while they were in the doldrums, all of a sudden, a layer of clouds covered the sky so thick that the sun couldn't penetrate it at all. And she said, it was pitch black. And all you could do was sit and wait. She said, but it wasn't a lazy waiting. It was a vigilant waiting. You had to sit and wait and watch. And she said, you couldn't even see the waves, but you could feel them. And all they experienced for five days in pitch darkness, sitting in this double-hole canoe in the middle of the ocean, was wall after wall after wall of water punching against the side of their canoe. She said it was like a rhythmic pounding of the waves. And all you could do was hold fast and sit in absolute darkness and wait. But they knew that if they waited vigilantly and if they watched, a sign was coming. She said, but we knew that when the sign came, it would only come for a moment. And if we were not awake and watching for that sign, we would miss it. And she said, on the fifth day, they had been sitting in absolute darkness for five days, and they were watching. And they, some would sleep, and the others would watch. And then the others would sleep, and the others would watch. Somebody was always watching the horizon. And she said, at, at, on the fifth day, all of the sudden, out of the blue, the sun penetrated the clouds just for a moment. It was like there was this opening in the darkness of the clouds, and she said it was the most blood-red sunset she had ever seen before in her life. 
but everyone suddenly rejoiced because they knew this is the sign that we've been waiting for. What that ray of sunshine did was showed them the precise location of the sun. And she said, now that I know where the sun is going to touch down on the horizon, I know exactly which way is north and which way is south and which way is east and which way is west. I know exactly where I am. And she realized at that moment that they had drifted a little too far west. And so she, it made instant corrections. And she said, we had been waiting for five days. Now it was time for speed. And they finished the journey. And they finished the journey over the next five days because of that one moment when the ray of sunshine pierced through the darkness. That's how the promise of God functions. It only comes to those who are watching and waiting for it. You see, it's they that wait upon the Lord who renew their strength, who mount up with wings as eagles, who run and not be weary, who walk and do not faint. It's those who are waiting upon the Lord. It's those who are standing at their watch to see what the Lord my God will say to me. He promises peace to his people. It's those who are waiting upon the Lord, who are looking and watching, who refuse to be hopeless. Who refuse to lose heart in the middle of the doldrums. You see, many of you right now are in the doldrums. And in fact, I could say corporately in our nation, in our country, and especially believers in Jesus Christ, we're in the middle of the doldrums right now where it seems like a cloud so thick has covered the sky that we can't see the sun at all. But I'm telling you that when you come into the doldrums, that's the time to actively and vigilantly wait upon the Lord. Abraham entered into the doldrums at 74 years old and the sun pierced through the darkness when he was 99 years old. Many of us are directionless because we stopped watching. We stopped listening. I'm telling you, the promise of God will surely come to your life. The promise of God will surely come to your life if you're watching, if you're waiting, if you're still believing. And what God did in chapter 17 of Genesis, for Abram, is he pierced through the darkness wow. of all of these years of failure. Wow. All of these years of failure and disappointment that had brought to him to a place of low expectation. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And now God pierces through the darkness of his low expectations. Mm. And at that moment when God visits him, he found him waiting. Wow. And God speaks to him and says, your name will no longer be Abram. What does Abram mean? It means exalted father. Which was already too much for him in his own mind. Yeah. How can I be exalted father when I've only got one illegitimate son? Right, right. Even that name alone was enough to mock him to make him feel insecure when, when he, can you imagine going to dinner parties and having no kids and you walk in, hi, exalted father, hey, exalted father is here. Exalted father, why don't you come sit here? And you don't feel like an exalted father at all. Yeah. Can you imagine the imposter syndrome that Abram must have carried? Yeah. And now, after having to bear that name for all of these years, God comes to him and says, no, 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 no. You're not exalted father. Wow. You're father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram. God says, from now on, I'm wiping that name away. But God, I just got comfortable with Abram. Ishmael was enough to make me feel okay being called Abram. God says, no, 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 no. I'm taking that away. I want you to go home and tell your wife and tell your friends and tell your neighbors and tell your family that they are no longer to call you Abram. They're to call you Abraham. 
Abraham. Abraham, father of many nations. I want you to go, I want you to go tell everybody, my name now is father of many nations. That's what I want you to call you. And I want you to see the laughter in their faces and see the smirk on their faces when you call yourself by the name I give you. It's interesting that God will often put you in a situation that seems to be beyond your pay grade, that seems to be beyond where you actually are, and you feel like an imposter. Have you ever felt like an imposter? Yeah, yeah. You know, last year, uh, earlier this year actually, Sonny and I got invited to the Free Methodist Large Church Pastors <laughs> Gathering. And I'm like, what? What? I even talked to our superintendent. I said, I got invited. Is this a mistake? He says, no, Benjamin, they want you there. I said, but do they know how big our church is? The bishop knows he wants you there. So I go, and I'm sitting there, and all these pastors are in the room, and they're going around the room, and everybody's saying, we've got 18,000 people in our ministry. Like, oh, Lord. Next person. We baptized 2,500 people last month. Oh, Lord. Next month, yeah. We have 12 services in our facility seats 2,000 people, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I'm sitting there at the table, and I felt like an imposter. I felt like I got to get up and get out of here. I got to leave. I don't belong here. I don't belong in this company. I'm not at this level. I I need to go back to Abram. I'm not ready to be called Abraham when the promise is not yet fulfilled. See, God always calls you Abraham before he makes you Abraham. Before the promise is fulfilled, he gives you the name. He rebrands you before he fulfills the promise. Because the name itself is the promise. Don't you realize the name itself is the promise? Do you realize that every time Sarah called Abraham to the dinner table, she reminded him of the promise? Every time a friend would see him on the street and call him Abraham, his friend was reminding him of the promise. You see, often if God, called, if God told you you were to be called Abraham, you wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> I wouldn't tell nobody. Yeah. God, we're going to keep that between you and me. Has God ever given you an outlandish promise? Did you tell anybody? No, because I don't want to look stupid. But God told Abraham, no, you tell everybody. Why? Because when you tell people, when you share the promises of God that God has put over your life, you are empowering your community to remind you of the promise every time they see you. This is what Paul said to Timothy. I give you this charge in keeping with the prophetic promises made over your life so that by them you might fight the good warfare. He's saying, Timothy, I've come to empower you to orient your life around the promises of God. And I'm sitting there in my seat, and my turn is coming up, and literally I started to have a little miniature panic attack. (laughs) My heart started pounding. I was so embarrassed I was, I was humiliated. I, was just, I just thought, I need to step out before my turn comes and not go back in the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do I get out of here? That's all I was thinking. And all of a sudden, literally, two people before me, my phone buzzes. It's a text message from a member of our church. And he texts me Isaiah chapter 42, verse 4. And it says, the Lord gave me this verse for you and I was afraid to send it to you, but I just need to be obedient. I just feel I just want to be obedient to God. This is, I believe, the word of the Lord for you. And it says, he shall not fail nor be discouraged until he brings justice to the nations and the coastline shall wait for his teaching. And all of a sudden, all of this encouragement 
came into me. All of this prophetic encouragement came into me and it came my turn. And I was like, we baptized 12 people last year. (laughs) Uh, Take that devil. (laughs) And do you know what they all did? Amen. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just got another email. Pastor Benjamin, the bishop would like you to be at the large church pastor's gathering again this coming January. And immediately again, I felt the same way I did. It's hard to be called Abraham when you still see yourself as Abram. And God will continually put, that, put you in that situation yeah. until he breaks all of that smallness off of your life, yeah. until he breaks all of those low expectations off of your life, until you yeah. begin to join him in expecting the greatness of the promise in your life that he expects. Your name is a promise. What if we built community around the promise of God? Wow. What if in every community group the goal was to discern the prophetic promise over every other member of the group and then walk with them toward the fulfillment of that promise? What if in your community group you had three or four other people who knew the promises of God over your life and helped you steward those promises until you entered into your promised land? Wouldn't that be powerful? And, that's, and, just, and by the way, discerning the prophetic promises is not something you're going to do in one week. For many of you, it's going to be a process of months and maybe years of simply vigilantly waiting and watching and believing that the the, the skies are going to, the clouds are going to part and the sun, at some point, the sun is going to shine and God's going to give you the promise and God's going to show you. He's going to speak to you. But when he does, even now as you hear my voice, this is the beginning of that process. Because the beginning of it is God speaking and saying, You've settled for less. Mm. But that means that your life is still your own. Wow. Shoot, yes. You've settled for less because you believe that your life is still your own. Mm. And so I'm coming to put my brand on you. Wow. My mark of ownership. And when I put my brand on you, my mark of ownership, I make it known that the less that you've settled for is not enough. I don't care that you're okay with it. Wow. I'm not okay with it. Right. It's not about you anyway. Wow. But God, I don't need that. Who cares what you need? It's about what my kingdom needs. Wow. And my kingdom needs stuff that you have no clue that goes beyond your understanding. I'm wow. telling you that God has a purpose for your life that transcends your understanding. Yeah. Right. He's got great things planned for your life that you don't need, but his kingdom does. And Abraham even says in verse 18 of chapter 17, oh, that Ishmael might walk before you. Just let Ishmael be enough. Please just accept my satisfaction with where I am right now. Please just let this be enough. And God says, no, 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 no. It's not enough. Your low expectations, getting God to accept your low expectations is unacceptable. God says, your expectations are unacceptable. It's not enough. It's not enough. I've got more. I've got more. I've got more. And God's calling us the same way he called Abram. You begin the journey when he calls you. 
Abram had been on the journey for 26 years, and God hadn't rebranded him, or 25, 26 year, 25 years, until he was 99 years old. And then God comes and says, now, now. I want us to bow our heads for a moment, because I believe that this is a holy moment. I believe this is a moment in which God is putting his finger on your low expectations. Yeah. And he's saying, it's not going to work for me. Wow. Mm. It's not going to work for me. I've got more. Amen. I've got more. Mm. I've got more. And you can begin to participate and to cooperate with the Spirit of God today Amen. by surrendering to God your low expectations. Surrendering to God your low expectations. For some of you, you gave up on the idea that you would have another child. Because you don't need one. And God says, but I need you to have another child. Some of you had a dream that goes back to your youth and you gave up on it. Because you're like, I'm good. I don't need that to happen anymore. Yeah. And to some of you, God is saying, but I need it to happen. Wow. And you know what? Regardless of what that is, you might not, you might not even know what it is. Yeah. But today, I'm simply inviting you to say, God, I surrender to you my low expectations. Wow. And in any place in my life where what I'm expecting from you is not in keeping with what you have expected from, for me, wow. I surrender that to you. Amen. And I believe in you. I want, I'm just going to sing this song for you, and I want you to join me if you can. It simply says, I believe you, God. Listen to this. This is, this is what the song says. I believe. I believe you, Father. I receive every single promise. Here I stand on the word you've spoken. I believe. I believe you, God. Can you sing that? Here it is. I believe. I believe. I receive every single promise, every single promise. Here I stand, here I stand on the word you've spoken. I believe, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe, come on, sing it again. I believe you, Father. I receive every single promise. I receive every single promise. Here I stand. Here I stand. On the word, on the word you speak.
believe, I believe, I believe you, God. Now just take a moment right by yourself and just lift up your voice to God right now. And let him break all of that unbelief off you. Let him break all those low expectations off you. Let him break all of that discouragement off of you. You see, low expectations come from discouragement after discouragement after discouragement, from disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But God wants to break all of that junk off of you today. And I just want you right now, right where you are, to kneel before the Lord and just lift up your voice right now and talk to God. Come on, talk to God right now. Just begin to talk to God right now. He's going to break through in your life. I just sense the power of the Holy Spirit coming into every home, coming into every room right now, coming right where you are. Yes, God. Break it right now. Encourage right now. Strengthen right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, right now. Thank you, God, that you're close to the brokenhearted, that you save such as trust in you. Thank you, God, that a broken heart and a contrite spirit you have yet to deny. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We thank you today, God, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly and beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine according to the power that is already at work in us. Thank you, Father. We believe you, God. We believe. Yes, God. I believe. Come on, sing it again. I believe you, Father. I receive every single promise. Here I stand on the word you spoke. I believe, I believe you, God. Yes, Lord, yes, God, yes, God. Just worship him, just worship him. Just worship him right now. Just take a moment and come to the altar, come to the altar. In your heart and in your mind and in your soul, come to the altar. Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I believe God has touched your heart today. Listen, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're living by your own vision for your own life, by your own desires. You have no direction except the direction of your own desires and your own understanding. You're trying to be the sun in your own sky. I urge you today to open up your heart to Jesus. Let him be the sun in your sky. Let him be the compass that directs you into your true destiny, the destiny that you were created for in him. And I'm gonna just invite you to say a simple prayer 
And this simple prayer is simply the beginning of your walk with Christ. And that prayer is this, just repeat this after me. And I'm gonna ask everybody to repeat it. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I say to you that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he arose from the dead. And I entrust my life to you. Be the sun in my sky. Guide me and lead me into your perfect will. I surrender today all of my expectations. I surrender today everything. Everything that I am and everything that I have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm just going to ask you to just drop a line in the chat right now and just say these words, just type these words, I prayed the prayer. If you prayed it for the first time today, or if you rededicated your life to Jesus and you'd walked away from him for quite a while, but just, just let us know because we want to be here. And there's also a link going into the chat right now that simply says, uh, I prayed the prayer. And if you click that link, just let us know that you prayed the prayer. Why? Because you cannot walk this walk on your own. It would be like this navigator that I talked about getting in that canoe by herself and trying to traverse that ocean and do that journey by herself. It's hard enough when you've got a community of people around you, but if you're by yourself, you're going to find yourself lost at sea. You need a community. And I just want to invite you to allow us to walk with you Allow us to get in the canoe with you mm. and ride with you on this journey. Mm. And we're all on the journey together. Yeah. We're walking towards greater fullness in Christ. God is rebranding us. And this is day one. I'm so excited. Amen. Amen. God bless you.